Piper, I'm excited to be taping a special emergency after hours promo for a company that I just made a business deal with. The company is Vintage Sports. You can find them at vintagesports.com. Piper, it's as though God made a company just for us in that MLB, college, MILB, Negro Leagues, NFL, you name it, boxing. Uh, they have vintage gear uh, catering to every sports fan's needs. Um, their pro football stuff is incredible pipe. I'm looking at hoodies, big, chunky, old logos, old helmets, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, um, jerseys, throwbacks, uh, whatever you can imagine, they have it at VintageSports.com. And I'm so excited to make a deal with this company and to partner with them to present Happy Rant Sports. Uh, go to VintageSports.com, check out their inventory, order some products. Um, you will not be disappointed. Uh, they even have footballs, like old-looking footballs, baseballs, baseball gloves, autographed memorabilia. Um, if you can dream it up, they have it at VintageSports.com for the vintage sports fan in your life. Uh, check it out in the show notes, VintageSports.com. Check it out on our socials. Go there, buy some products, support Vintage Sports, and support Happy Rant Sports. This is the Happy Rant Sports podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we are talking all NFL draft today. This will be an NFL draft recap episode. Um, you and I are both huge fans of the NFL draft. I think the draft was one of the more fun drafts we've had in a long, long time this time. Also, it just so happened that for me, the draft coincided with Mazzy's eighth grade class trip on which it was all moms doing the chaperoning. So KK and, and Maxim were out of the house effectively for the whole NFL draft. And Tristan is just like a roommate at this point. So I had essentially no parenting responsibilities and no like even just conversating with other humans responsibilities for the I wondered because cuz on day 3 of the draft so it's like Saturday at 1:30 yeah. and you're texting me about round 6. Picks, yeah, I'm like the Ravens just which, took a fullback that I like. Dang it. You know, <laughs> which and, and it's not at all off brand yeah. for you. But at the same time, I was like, man, it's a good weekend for Ted. Yeah. Like he's he's actually getting to pay attention to the sixth round. For me, it's like I have to, you know, I watched the first round. I clued into the to the second and third rounds, you know, kind of checking in on my yeah. phone. And then uh, by by third round time or I'm sorry, by third day time, I was like, well, I'll just go back and, and read the the recap later. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be overselling it to say that I watched 90% of the coverage. I didn't watch every minute. Like I, you know, I dipped out and cut the grass and ran to the store and and did things like that that like normal people have to do, but I essentially watched all of the coverage. It was a really fun year for that to happen because it was a year where the picks weren't like locked and loaded, you know, like they like they are in a lot of years and it was really a year where like this draft kind of had 15 players in it and then beyond that it was a crapshoot. 
you know, I think I think there was a like a half a round's worth of really good prospects, and then you know beyond that, you were kind of grasping a little bit. That's not to say some of those later guys won't pop, but um, I w- but it's hard to tell the difference between you know pick twenty seven and pick sixty. That's it. Yeah, like there's yeah they, they they're 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 the exact same tier of guys. that's right and and with all the uncertainty regarding guys opting out and not having the kind of you know centrality of the NFL Combine this year you didn't get a lot of the the sort of you know groupthink and solidarity that you normally get out of the scouting community and um, that that being said pipe I want to I want to float one question by you actually two questions two conceptual questions and then get into specific picks. One I alluded to in a column that I sent you that I wrote for my little newspaper column space here. What what podcasts NFL wise do you rely on like leaning up to the draft and why? My go to is is the Athletic NFL podcast. Yeah. Um so Robert Mays is its host. He used to work for The Ringer prior to that. I think he worked for Grantland. Yeah. So which and those guys were uh kind of front end great sports podcast yep. prior to that it was like you know espn just turning studio shows <laughs> right, into podcasts, right. which is kind of boring yeah. um so maze and then uh nate tice is his mm-hmm. regular co-host who is son of mike tice former vikings coach a great offensive line and tight ends yeah. coach and so nate grew up around the game yep and has been in scouting. The other one, and we've talked about this podcast a lot, is Move the Sticks. Yeah, I love Move um, the Sticks. Da- Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Yeah. Because they're just pure scouting. Yep. And so they, my only complaint about that podcast is that they, they do everything quick. Yeah. It's all yeah. like 30-minute format. I would love 60 minutes of those guys kind yeah. of really digging in. They seem like... But that's not what they do. But it's it's really good for the overview of like, how are guys ranked? What's the scouting thought process? Totally. This year it was interesting because they're like, well, we lost so much ability to scout. So what does it look like now? Yeah. I, I think they're great. I think they're great too. And they seem like genuinely decent dudes as well. Like, And there's no smugness on them, which is refreshing. Yeah. And, and now that you mention it, I used to listen to Maze a lot when he was with The Ringer. And I have listened to a couple of his episodes with Nate Tice, and I've really enjoyed him. Nate Tice really knows what he's See, talking I about. Think, I think Robert Mays is, I don't know if you're a basketball podcast guy, but he is to football very similar to what Zach Lowe yeah, is to basketball. I like Zach Lowe. I, I like Zach Lowe a lot. Yeah, where he's he's a nerd, but not the kind of nerd that takes the fun out of the game. Yeah. The kind of nerd who gets like super geeked up about it. He loves line play. Yeah. He loves when guys succeed. So he's not he's not kind of rooting against guys right. or having any of that ego or, or cynicism. And Tice is kind of the same way. Like You can tell these guys just are thrilled about football, which makes it a lot of fun. Speaking of nerds who take the joy out of the game, let's do like a minute and a half on PFF. I don't know where you're at on pro football <laughs> focus, but like I, I I didn't understand what hate listening was until I started kind of listening to their their pro football podcast and, and nothing against the guys themselves. It's more just, I don't know if I believe in what PFF is selling, but these guys are so like utterly besotted with a the ideas that they're that they're putting out there, and B Kyle Shanahan, like fi- <laughs> find somebody that looks at you the way the PFF guys look at, at Kyle Shanahan, and you'll be you'll be doing something. I mean, Shanahan's career record is like thirty one and thirty six, and yet they they look at this guy like he like he hangs the moon. It's really fascinating, and uh, yeah, he yeah they're hate what's and it's go ahead yeah it is fascinating because Shanahan just a, a, a second on Shanahan. Mm-hmm. I think he's a brilliant coach, yeah. and anytime he's had an an average or above average NFL quarterback, he has a great record. Yeah, yeah. he's good. Uh, 
most of his career, he's he's had like C.J. Beathard as his starter or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and then there's his offensive coordinator years. He had some good years, yeah. too, like with Atlanta and yeah. everything. But, yeah, he's he's seen as this brilliant coach who just picked in the top three. Right. You know? Right. So it's it's a it is a little bit weird, but his I think is I think systematically he's a great coach. Yeah, I think he's great. But like the the PFF guys being so down on running backs and being so down on running the football and at any time during an NFL game. I mean, it's it's a it's a weird thing that I don't agree with, and I really don't even like listening to it. But I do listen to those guys from time to time. But the where I was going with that, and you know what's yeah, funny? Go. You know what Kyle Shanahan loves to do? Run the football. Run, run the, the wide zone he's one of the only guys who invests deeply in fullbacks yeah, exactly i was just gonna multiple say multiple tight ends he loves big sets yeah. and he's really creative running the ball he but he loves to run i the know ball. and running the ball like allows him to pass the ball and i will i will go to my grave defending that idea and yet these these yeah. guys are like oh i can't believe anyone runs the ball anymore how can you draft a running back at all you know and uh when it's it's a little bit inconsistent because they they just like practically pee themselves in excitement over the idea of play action passing like play action is the best way right. to, to run an offense well play action works best when there's actually a threat of running the ball exactly i mean the basic premise it's like to to run play action without ever running the ball is like biting on a shaquille o'neal pump fake from 15 yeah feet. exactly you know like oh he's why why would right. you, ever you know do he's, that? he's never, never gonna, gonna shoot from there so right yeah it's a it's a moot point exactly yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Real quick, there are two NFL podcasts that I love. One is uh, the GM Shuffle with Mike Lombardi. Phenomenal kind of team-building um, player evaluation podcast. And then the other one, Bill Polian has started doing podcasts. And um, he's... Really? He's really old, but they're, <laughs> they're, like, they're incredibly informative. And there's like a, a talking head point guard type, type guy on the show. And then there's... Another guy who seems like he's about Polian's age, whose role is just to be Bill Polian's friend. And it works, though. It's really interesting, and I've learned a lot from it. And I think it's called uh, – I don't even know what it's called. Just look up Bill Polian podcast. and uh, Yeah, so it's 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 as if somebody overheard him and his buddy talking at Cracker Barrel at 7 a.m. on some Saturday. <laughs> exactly. And we're like, hey, we should just put a mic on this table while you guys eat your you know hash brown casserole. That's essentially what it is, with like a young guy there to kind of move the conversational ball around. Yeah. But uh, okay, I want the last conceptual thing, and we can just go like a minute on this. Looking at post graph post draft grades, which is stupid. Like the whole concept is stupid. But like mm -hmm. per the the kind of calculus of college in 2021, everybody's just getting an A or an A minus on these post draft <laughs> draft grades. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Like they, they don't hand out a bad grade anymore. It's uh, with the exception of the Raiders. The Raiders never get a good yeah. You can grade you can always the worst drafting team in the yeah. NFL. You can always give the Raiders like a C minus, you know. Um, but everybody else gets an A or an A minus. You can take it to the bank. It's just funny. Like why are we even doing this? But uh, that being said, pipe really interesting draft, really fun draft. Um, let's start with who you think did well from a team perspective. Like as you were watching the yeah. draft, like who's whose draft did you really like? So I part of the way that I think about the draft now, it, you know, rather than I I don't know how to judge college players, especially not this year, you know, cuz sometimes I love a player, sometimes I don't, but it's really like what did the team do things in what a seemingly smart yeah. way? And 
the two that uh, the two that absolutely shocked me because they don't have a history of doing things <laughs> in a smart way were the Jets and the Lions. Yeah, I was going to talk about the Lions. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's go. Uh, let's go Lions first, and then Jets. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I just so the Lions have a history of. I mean, a, a different different GM and everything, but just making big splashes with wide receivers too early or just drafting a guy you look at and you're like, that's obviously the wrong selection. Right. Like, well, what are you doing? And they just, they, they didn't do anything dumb. So at pick number, was it seven? Yeah. They took Penny Sewell. Unbelievable. The consensus number one tackle in the draft, yeah. getting, getting a five to 10 year starter at left tackle yeah. is always the right move. I agree. Even if it's not your biggest need, it's always the right move. Cause a, a good offensive line, it just covers up a multitude of sins. It covers up a multitude of Jared Goff. Yeah. Um dude, so and I actually watched a lot a lot of Lions football this season because I hate my life, uh-huh. apparently. And um <laughs> their their right tackle position was a turnstile. Just a complete disaster. So having Panay Sewell in the building, being able to reshuffle a little bit or just put him at right tackle, um, is gonna yeah. allow the Lions to do a whole lot of things. They're gonna run the ball better. So the investment that they made in uh, in the Georgia running back last year is going to pay yeah, off. Swift. Yeah, DeAndre Swift gets better. Um, the passing game gets better. Ostensibly, all the play actions that they're going to use Jared Goff for uh, will function more effectively now. I just think it was a, when, a slam dunk. And Goff is very like Kirk Cousinsy, yeah. and in the sense that like if everything is on time, yeah. he's a he's a perfectly adequate quarterback. Totally. Um, he he has shown the potential to make elite throws mm-hmm. and different things, but he totally depends on a good system and line. Yeah. So I thought that was good. And then I think they went defensive tackle with their next they two, did. which again is they're never exciting moves unless it's Aaron Donald, and I don't think either of those guys yeah. are. But if the middle of your defense doesn't move, yeah, and the offense can't do anything up the middle, and you can you know you can push the pocket, yeah. everything else gets easier on defense. So they just did these things. The other thing I liked about it was. Um, that they they uh, they followed the coach's lead. So in his opening press conference, he had that really weird, like we're going to bite <laughs> people's knees and ankles yeah. and just generally be savages. Yeah. Well, they kind of drafted like they wanted to be savages. They did, and I, so I loved it. I, I thought all of that was a good sign. Yeah. Like, okay, there's alignment between front office and coaching. They're building in the trenches. Yeah. They're not taking huge risks on players who you're like, Ugh, that seems like a dumb direction. Yeah. The only the only issue I took with their draft was that they don't have any weapons on offense. Yeah. And they didn't draft a receiver until like the fifth round. I think yeah. I think they got a good value in uh St. Brown from USC. Yeah. But I just I would have it would have been great if they had like one of those defensive tackles was maybe a wide receiver in the second or third round, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I felt that too. I, I actually think there are three or four guys from this draft for the Lions who are really going to be good pros. Uh, they got Syracuse cornerback uh, Ify Melifonwu, who's really long. He's like 6'2", uh, right around 200, 205, a really good press corner. Um, mm-hmm. He was a great value. I do like St. Brown. I think he will um, see the field and contribute for sure. I loved Purdue linebacker Derek Barnes. Just kind of an old-school thumper. And you know, playing a div- also sneaky, sneaky great name for a linebacker. Yeah. Like Derek Barnes sounds like somebody who would have knocked a helmet off in 1996. Dude, I was just gonna say that's a 90s linebacker name. That's like a 90s Tampa linebacker name. Uh, yeah. He would have worn a neck roll and knocked somebody's helmet off. And uh, I, I do love, I love it for that reason. But I love it in a division 
where there are some teams that want to run the ball. You've got Dalvin Cook in the division. You've got um, David Montgomery slash Curtis Enos in the division, but the Bears are committed to <laughs> giving him the football still. So uh, I made that comparison on Twitter the other day, too. Yeah. And a, a, no Bears fans came back at me, which tells me they that all agree. It might be it might be uncomfortably accurate. Exactly. And, and I actually think this running back that they got in the last round, Jamar Jefferson, he was a great like wide zone guy at um, at Oregon State where he played collegiately and kind of under the radar because he played at Oregon State. But uh, for what they ostensibly want to do with Jared Goff and and kind of building a play action game off of the wide zone, I think I think he will contribute. Um, so tip of the cap to the Lions doing what they almost never do, which is having a good draft. So. Let's go to the Jets pipe. I think we both like the Jets draft. We both kind of kept texting each other saying like, wow, the Jets, they're just doing smart things, doing the right thing, pick after pick. Um, I think we both liked the trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker, um, yeah. who I think is one of the safest linemen in this draft. Uh, played a ton at USC, played some guard, played some tackle. He was available. He played this year, which is important to me at least. Um, I just think they had a great draft. I'm not like as bullish on Zach Wilson. You know, if it, if it were me in a perfect world, I think I probably would have kept Arnold, um, taken a, a, a weapon with that number two overall pick or traded back and taken more weapons. But, um, nevertheless, they get Zach Wilson. I loved Vera Tucker. I really liked the North Carolina running back at 107. Michael Carter, I thought was a nice value. Yep. Um, but yeah, talk about it, Pipe. Talk about who you liked uh, in this draft for the Jets. Well, I mean, so the, the Jets were one of those teams where they needed everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, every drafting, they really could have just gone best player available mm -hmm. across the board, which I think, in, you know, basically what they did. Mm -hmm. They were like, they just kind of ranked their needs and they're like, okay, we need a quarterback. Yeah. They took their number two. I think I probably would have gone Fields over Wilson. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why Fields was kind of just drop down draft boards yeah. and he kind of became the third or fourth QB in everybody's mind. Yeah. Maybe because I think it's one of those things where when you see a guy play enough, yeah. they like he, so Trevor Lawrence was a, was an absolute stud who then started to get, you know, you get a little bit of this, like, well, he, here, he can't do this. He runs a simple system. And then he came back around yeah. to being an absolute stud. Right. Fields never got back around to right. it, you know? So right. he was like huge numbers, got knocked for some things then didn't really come back around. But I think the Wilson, they needed a quarterback. There was three or four very clear options. They took the one they think is best. Let's assume it works yeah. out. Good call. Yeah, I really liked the Vera Tucker uh, pick and trade up because they're, they have a young quarterback. Yeah. They have younger weapons and a good, again, a good offensive line. And last year they got Makai Becton in the first round. So now they have uh Vera Tucker next to Becton. That's a really amazingly high potential on the left side of that line oh, for like sure. just potentially the best left side of a line in the league and, and now you have someone um, to hand the ball to to run left behind them yeah who's not frank gore and yeah and and running yeah who, who's not yes i don't think frank gore can run more than 3.5 <laughs> yards at this point it's not just that he averages that yeah. it's like that's his peak he just can only do exactly that. um and then they, who was it is it elijah moore yeah the elijah they moore got? great value i think that's yeah super super uh Slot guy, you yeah. know, little guy, but amazing hands, great after the catch, which again, that's that he's kind of the the safety outlet guy for uh Wilson. Yeah. 
And after signing Corey Davis, and then last year they got the guy from Baylor whose name I can't remember. Denzel Mims. They have the makings of a, a yeah, mm-hmm. Mims. They have the makings of a professional receiving core. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not amazing, but like now they're not just abysmal in the passing game. Yeah. And so you just kind of run down the line and you're like, they were checking boxes. They they spent free agent money smartly, uh, some on their defensive line, some wide receiver. Then they filled in the gaps around on the draft. It just seems like they they again did smart things. Yeah, absolutely. Assuming any assuming those guys work out. Yeah, and I yeah I like the Carter pick a lot because mid to late round running backs are just as likely to be decent as like second and third round running backs. Sure. And so getting a guy a little bit later, super smart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's going to be a really fun offensive line to watch. Uh, like Mackay Becton became like must watch television for me this season because he was just wiping people out and doing a great job so um yeah i look forward to seeing what that what that offense can be and some different body types at receiver you know um they're they're gonna be interesting for sure um let's go a couple minutes pipe on the nfc north you mentioned justin fields i was actually like shockingly impressed by the bears draft um moving up to get fields at 11 just felt like the right thing to do yet a major surprise that the bears did it like i think they because they don't do the right thing <laughs> they're good at drafting like second round safeties and stuff right. but not offensive players yeah i'm glad they i'm glad they recognize that they don't have a quarterback and i'm gl- i'm really glad they did that like i think he's i don't think he's a perfect prospect by any stretch and and i started to buy into a little bit of the yeah, elongated throwing motion, and maybe it all doesn't translate. But like bare minimum, you've got a really dynamic athlete back there who's going to give defenses problems. And I think he opens things up for for Curtis Enos, David Montgomery, in the sense that like you now have to account for the quarterback in the run game, which makes them just gradations more interesting. Um, I loved Tevin Jenkins at thirty nine. You know, this was a an offensive tackle with, you know, a first round grade on a lot of people's boards. Um, very physical as a run blocker, may actually project to guard. Um, but I love Tevin Jenkins at 39. Uh, I thought Daz Newsom was a really good receiver value at 221. They just, again, did smart things. And um, it was very unbears like in that regard. Mm-hmm. And uh, if this is sort of the last gasp of that regime, you know, I think it's a it's a pretty good note to go out on. At least you kind of emptied the chamber and and maybe got your franchise a quarterback that they can do something with in the future. Yeah, I as as a Vikings fan, I was a little disappointed to see them doing smart things, yeah. but as a football fan, I was glad just because it's the league is better when there's better quarterback play and you know yeah. and all that's going well. I, so their first two picks I thought were great. After that, they traded so much to get up to those picks yeah. that they kind of were just they had whatever three or four more picks. Yeah. But they didn't. I mean, the Bears, the Bears' two biggest needs were offensive line and quarterback, yeah. and they didn't overdraft either of those guys. I don't think they gave up too much to get to those spots. Right. Um, and the thing is, I don't know if uh, is it Matt Nagy that's their yeah. coach. Yeah, I always get him and their GM mixed yeah. up. I don't know if Nagy's a good coach because his best quarterback has been Mitch Trubisky, that's right. which is that's horrendous. Yeah. So, but they they have been able to score here and there. Like I've seen him move the ball against the Vikings with uh, what's the what's their backup quarterback Chase? What's Chase his Daniel, face? yeah, yeah. Chase Daniel, yeah, little five nine Missouri guy. Mm-hmm. So the system has pieces in place. They just other than Allen Robinson, they haven't had a weapon on offense in forever. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
I still think that's a weakness for them. Yeah. Like their receivers scare nobody other than Robinson. Yeah. But yeah. And the other piece of it that I thought was impressive was that a a uh kind of a lame duck GM and coach, or not not necessarily lame duck, hot seat yeah. made picks that will look better in two and three years probably than they do this year. Yeah. So yeah, that's they, right. They they still invested in the team in a way that seems to make sense. I was yeah I was a little disconcerted by that because they don't normally um, make smart moves. So and I thought they I did. think there's a scenario in which Nagy and the GM can keep their job, and that is like if the Bears go like nine and eight, but they're just a sensationally fun watch, and if Fields keeps them in every game and. You you kind of go out of the season feeling like, okay, that wasn't perfect. Maybe we missed the playoffs, but there's like unbelievable upside in a division where, you know, Aaron Rodgers is in flux. Uh, the Lions are still a few years away. The Vikings don't know what they have at quarterback behind Kirk Cousins. You know, I think the Bears could sneakily become pretty relevant pretty quickly depending on how other things shake out in the division. Okay, yeah. let's... Let's talk about the Aaron well, Rodgers thing one, for a minute. One thought on that. Yeah. I, I think that's that's really interesting, though, because rookie quarterbacks, even if they're really, really good, mm-hmm. still don't lead their teams deep into any sort of playoff. Right, run. right. When was the last time a rookie quarterback just led his team deep? I mean, is it Lamar Jackson? Um, I'm trying yeah. to think. Like, I'm trying to think what he did Even if they have year. huge upside, there's, yeah. it's always year two or later that that happens. Yeah, yeah. You know, Russell Wilson so, actually started pretty fast, I think. I'd have to look yeah. up his his PFR page. I think that's right. Yeah. But Russell Wilson was like, he was a tipping point for NFL teams where he fell to the third round for what? He's a first-round quarterback right. who fell to the third round because nobody knew what to do with a 5'11 guy. That's right. Yeah. But everything else about him, his 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 traits, yeah. his all the tape on him, his success in college at two different two different major Played a ton. All kinds of reps. Yeah. He started yeah. like 50 games or something yep. and they just were like he's too short yeah and now that you know kyler murray baker mayfield that's clearly no longer an issue right so yeah he was kind of anomalous and then shifted the scouting perspective i think yeah absolutely okay dude let's uh let's hit this aaron Rodgers thing for a minute um <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of in the broader context of the division and then i want to get into what you what you thought the vikings did well um yeah, Green Bay's draft I think was a little bit of a dumpster fire. Although they got an A <laughs> from NFL.com, so figure that one out. Um, but the major story here is Rogers kind of doing Rogers things, which is being just extremely unlikable on the eve of the draft by by dropping this bombshell that he wants out of Green Bay. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's realistic that he moves somewhere? If so. How and where does it happen? So I think this is so this is interesting because it's I think it's realistic that he moves if somebody came to them with just a godfather offer. Yeah. But what incentive do they have to move him other than somebody comes in is like, okay, so let's take I'm trying to think of a team like the Raiders. Yeah. So the Raiders are probably the Raiders come and they're like We'll give you Derek Carr so that you have a starting quarterback, although maybe they don't want it because they did draft Jordan Love in the first round last year. You know, Derek Carr and our next, you know, 11 first-round picks or something. Right. And, you know, and the Packers go, okay, maybe we'll do this. Yeah. But then the Packers immediately fall to second or third in the division at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like the Packers are the favorite in the division because of Aaron Rodgers. Right. They are a a Super Bowl contender because of him. Outside of him, they're they're the Vikings. Yeah. You yeah, know, a, sure. a potential playoff team who, if everything breaks right, might make the conference championship game. Yeah. And you know, Derek Carr is probably slightly better than Kirk Cousins. And Jordan Love is who the heck knows what. Exactly. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is generational. Exactly. And so, yeah, I don't know what incentive they have to move him. Mm. I think he's just swinging his leverage around <laughs> yeah. to, to, to try to get the GM fired, which I think is a good move because I think the GM sucks. Yeah, I agree. And the, the Packers, the Packers should be the best team in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah. But they draft like garbage. They do. Which, as a Vikings fan, I'm totally fine with. Exactly. As a football fan, it's abysmal to watch because I want to see the best players supported the best way possible. Yeah. I mean, I think you would have to, if you're the Packers, you would have to really become like utterly convinced in your own mind that Rodgers will retire unless we trade him. And at that point, you know... Maybe you just let him retire, or maybe you, yeah, you look for that Godfather deal that you can't refuse, and you and you pull the trigger yeah. on it. But um, yeah, I, so just I saw I saw a stat the other day, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, yeah. but I'm going to get it very close to right. And it was so they looked at like the top ten or top seven all time touchdown pa- passing touchdown leaders, mm-hmm. and the number of their touchdowns thrown to first round picks. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and Peyton Manning had <laughs> threw like 320 to first round picks. Sure. Uh, you know, Drew Brees and whatever down the line. Drew Brees threw fewer uh, and so forth. Aaron Rodgers, you want to know how many touchdowns he's thrown to a first-round pick in his career? How many? One. Wow. Who was the first-round pick? I don't. Well, that's the thing is if it's only one, it had to be like a guy at the tail end Some of his career. Some random guy who they, who they yeah, 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 yeah. He, he may have caught like and, the tail end of Bubba Franks and thrown him one touchdown pass or whatever. Yeah. One of the things is you think about his receivers, like, mm-hmm. yes, Devontae Adams is a top three or four receiver in the league who's a i think he was a third round he was yeah um they've got a bunch of like second round garbage on that roster they've got they haven't had a good tight end in forever or at least they don't know how to use the tight end anymore yeah i mean before that that used to be like tight end central yeah you had jordy nelson you had randall cobb all these were like kind of late round type guys second second third fourth round guys i mean great receivers but not a first and and the point of that is not that you need first round receivers because a lot of the best receivers in the league aren't first rounders, yeah. but that they haven't even tried to put an elite weapon around him. That's right. That's right. You know? And last last year was the pinnacle. Like if I was Rodgers, I would have done this last year after the draft because they not only drafted his quote unquote replacement, right. they then drafted a running back in the second round when they already had Aaron Jones, who's a really good <laughs> running back. Yeah. Like not, it was, it's so, they're so dumb. They are. They, they're like Raiders dumb, and Aaron Rodgers covers up the sins. So they actually made two picks that I liked that I want to talk about. But then I want to ask you a, another conceptual question vis-a-vis the NFC North. Um, I like Josh Myers, the center that they took. Um, I watched a lot of him this year. He's out of Ohio State. I think he did a really good job. I actually like the Clemson wide receiver, Amari Rodgers, that they took. He's He's got a weird uh-huh. build. He almost looks... I mean, he looks very much like a running back playing slot receiver in that he's like 5'9", 5'10", 220. Like, he's really sawed off, but he really changes direction well. He's good good with the ball after the catch. I think he's going to be a, a sneaky good weapon for whoever plays quarterback there. But my, my, <laughs> my question was, has there ever been a less likable NFC North quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? I feel like division-wise, I'm talking historically now, it's been a really likable quarterback division. Um, 
Well, I mean, you have some feelings about the Vikings' current quarterback. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, he's not likable at all to me. But, like, I think to <laughs> to others, he's just kind of beige. You know, he's he's khaki. Um, but, but yeah, definitely to me, not likable. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, just not likable. Unless you're a Packer fan, yeah. then you love him kind of by sort of default. But well, The other thing is the NFC, the Packers are the only team in the NFC North that has consistently had great quarterbacks. Yeah. Like the Lions have been a quarterback dumpster fire. I mean, Matt Stafford was good, but again, yeah. he was kind of, he was a bit beige from the outside too. I think like great guy in the community, guy in the community. but not a big personality. Yeah, not a huge personality. Uh, the the Bears have had a revolving door of the just <laughs> terrible, terrible quarterbacks. Yeah. I think Jim McMahon might have been unlikable to those outside of Chicago. But super likable in Chicago. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, and he's exactly the kind of guy you want on your team, but you absolutely want to punch if he's on someone else's team. That's true. The Vikings have had good quarterback seasons, Mm -hmm. but very little sustained runs, you know, so they've had, you know, they had Dante Culpepper with a few great years. They had Brett Favre which is a time I like to forget. Uh, Randall Cunningham was all super likable yeah. and a great comeback story. Right. Uh, yeah, so there's just been kind of these ups and downs. But yeah, I think Rodgers is... The thing is, he has all of like the swagger and ego yeah. and none of the charisma. Like if you're going to be that much yeah. of a douche, exactly. you have to be... You have to have charisma. Like, yeah. Like Joe Namath or like Brett Favre was kind of like Dude, that. totally. But and, in a completely likable douche sort of way for both of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think Packers fans like Aaron Rodgers. They just like that he's really good. Exactly. Yeah, he won't they be like They ignore the fact that he's completely terrible. Yeah, he won't He won't but, in any way be like the beloved retired guy in 10 years. You know, he'll, he'll be the retired guy that like never comes back to Wisconsin. Low-key acts yeah. like he's too good for it. He's the he's the Rick Barry of the NFL. Dude, he is you know, the Rick all, Barry of the NFL. All-time elite offensive player who absolutely everybody despised and to this day is still like, I mean, I was a bit of a douche, but like, yeah. I won. I won some things. Dude, that's the greatest comp of all time. That actually works so well. Um, we should probably move on from it. Um, <laughs> just end on a high just note. Just end on a high note on that one. Yeah, amazing comp. Dude, I want to talk about the Patriots. Um I want to go like two minutes on the Patriots because I think they had a really exceptional and unpatriots-like draft. Um, mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about another position group. So the the Patriots stay put at fifteen. Like, and full disclosure, me and my kid were were Pats fans, so yeah. we're watching this thing completely talking ourselves into. You know, Belichick's going to take a division two pass rusher with fifteen. You know, we we had totally like convinced ourselves that all the good quarterbacks would be gone and or that Belichick would do something crazy. Instead, I'm just going down the line looking at these picks. He took really good college football players from really huge programs that were really productive. And starting with Mac Jones, who was kind of the quarterback that I always wanted at 15, I mean, I would have been yeah. I would have been fine with Justin Fields or Trey Lance falling to us, though I I didn't think either of them would. Um, I kind of bought into the Mac Jones at three narrative with the with the Niners, so I'd kind of tuck myself out of that. But when he fell to us, dude, I was thrilled. Like I was just ecstatic. And then you know, Barmore in the second round, not a great interior defensive line draft, but I think he was the one that had kind of the first round grade. We got him in the second. Um, you know, we took an edge guy who was productive at Oklahoma and Ronnie Perkins, 
Ramondre Stevenson I love in like the So I think the, I think the Ronnie Perkins pick mm-hmm. is it might be the best pick of their draft. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's a third rounder, which means there's there's absolutely no risk. Yeah. If he if he turns into like a rotation guy, that's what you expect out of the third round. Yep. But Belichick is known for putting defensive players who are good at a couple things in a position yeah. to be really productive. Absolutely. And he there's always a sneaky pass rusher on that team. Yeah. Uh and the reason and, and also I was really mad the Vikings passed on him because the Vikings took a guy from Pitt whose name I can't remember right now because mm-hmm. nobody's ever heard of him, <laughs> who was a good college player, but like a yeah. bit more of an upside guy with Perkins on the board. And I was just like, Yeah, this is Perkins is one of the better edge rushers in this draft. And yeah. so I think I think this probably is the best value pick of their draft. And I, I don't disagree about Mac Jones or Barmore. I just yeah. – I, I like that pick. No, I like the pick a lot, dude. And I like that he was productive in a conference where, like, the ball comes out really quick. I mean, I think it's it's hard to get sacks in the Big 12. Um, I mean, it's hard to get sacks in college football in general now with yeah. just how laterally the game moves and how quickly the ball comes out. But um, I really like that pick. I love Ramondre Stevenson. As the big physical, like, LeGarrette Blunt figure in the running back room now. Uh, we haven't had that since LeGarrette Blunt left. Do the Patriots draft more running backs than any other team? Dude, we... Because I feel like they... We do. So, they, they got they got Sony Michelle in the first round. Mm-hmm. Then they got... Uh, it was a Damian Harris. Yeah. Then they... Now this guy. And I feel like there was another one in there somewhere, too. Like, it's it's one to two running backs a year. And they still have them all. Here's the here's the evil genius in it though. Backs. Uh, D- Sony Michelle's about to roll off his rookie deal, so he'll be gone. Um, and he wasn't that good to begin with. Anyway, he was ordinary to begin with. Damian Harris, I think, had some sensational games last year quietly because the Patriots were bad. But I think Damian Harris kind of becomes the the quote unquote bell cow. But I think you'll see games where Ramondre Stevenson gets a lot of carries, depending on who we're playing well, and what we're trying to do. Uh, he becomes that that hammer big guy uh, kind of presence. The other thing the pa- yeah the other thing the Patriots do with their running backs is that's weird is they have a running back mm-hmm. and then they have a pass catching back. Yeah, James White like they, and he's still they there. They don't they don't have a guy who runs the ball and catches thirty to fifty passes. They have a guy who catches right. four passes and a guy who catches sixty five passes. Yeah, nothing in between. <laughs> I actually like the philosophy of drafting guys who just do their one thing really well. And they know they know what their role is, which is a Patriots kind of philosophy, right? I mean, they're not asking every guy to do everything. They're they're saying, you know, James White, you're a pass catcher. You're a you're a de facto slot receiver back there. And it's worked it's worked really well. And they've done that they've actually done that for twenty years, you know. I mean, Cor- well, Corey Dillon that knew worked his- really well with Tom Brady. It's no other team in the league does it like that, and no other team in the league has Tom Brady. Yeah. Because the thing is, when you line up against the Patriots and you see James White back there, you go, "Oh, it's a passing down." Yeah. Yeah. When you see uh, Damian Harris or Legarrette Blount, you're like, "Oh, it's a running down." No, they can go. They can go play action off sure. that, whatever. But they just, you know, it 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 limits what the defense has to do. So unless the quarterback is near perfection, I think it actually is a hindrance. It can be. It's just yeah. I, I, and and with Cam Newton and his noodle arm, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of hindrances on that offense. Yeah. So the question is, can Mac Jones do that sort of like execution? Yeah. To a not to a Bradyan level, but to yeah. a, a professional level. Well, I think that's what they drafted him for. And as far as any guy in this draft who could potentially distribute at that level, it it would be him. 
you know, I mean, all the other guys intriguing for sure, but in order to do that particular thing, I think Mac Jones is the guy for it. And, uh, I'm glad I want to, I want to talk about a pet peeve Piper. Um, okay. Here's my pet peeve. This is the thing that made me the maddest during this year's draft. And it was edge players being drafted on potential and no production. Like, Oh, like all of the Vikings middle round picks. All of the Vikings middle round picks or all of the edge guys that got overdrafted in the first round. So yeah. here's a weird one. Typically, I really like what the Colts do. And because I grew up in Indiana, I've still got like 30% of my Colts stock. And I kind of do care about them. But Quiddy Pay at number 21 overall. I mean, height, weight, speed guy. Sure, I get it. No production. Um, Jason Owe went in the first round, the Penn State guy, no production. The guy who actually got all the sacks. Literally no production. Yeah, literally no production. And Quiddy Pay, I mean, right there, he may have had one or two sacks, but like essentially no production. And yet the guy that gets all the sacks at Penn State lasts to like the sixth or seventh round. It was insane. Shaka Tony. Um, So all these edge guys. Also a great name. uh, Yeah, amazing, amazing name. (laughs) Like, if his name was, like, Steve Phillips and he was, you know, like an undersized white dude who got 11 sacks, I'd understand the sixth round. But Shaka Tony's, he's a third rounder on name alone. Steve Phillips is, like, the associate pastor at a, a, you know, like a Memphis megachurch. Yeah, he's the guy who tweets angry complimentarian stuff at us. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm angry about the the drafting of these edge guys. And, uh, like, I think the Colts had had a terrible draft. Um, you know, they t- which is strange because they have been one of the smart. They've teams. been great, and I think they had a pretty good off season. But um, I, I don't understand them not taking a tackle at twenty one in a pretty good tackle. Oh, year. I'm so glad they didn't because it left him for the Vikings at twenty three. There you go. And there you go. When they took Quiddy Pay, I it was the one of the only times during the draft that I cheered out loud. Oh, sure. That of course that's great. I was so th- I was so thrilled that he was still because then you know you get Derisaw, which is what you needed. So yeah, uh, yeah it all it all worked out. But uh, do you do you have thoughts on that, or is that just like um, a stupid well, pet peeve I- of mine? I don't think it's a stupid pet peeve. I do think that there's a long history of really productive college pass rushers who don't translate to the pros. Right. And so But there's an equally and, long like uh litany of unproductive college pass rushers who remain unproductive in the pros. Yes. Yeah. Now I with the quitty pay pick, I think what that mostly is is an indictment of how bad Jim Harbaugh is as a coach. Yeah. Like every nobody's productive at Michigan these days. Mm-hmm. Like when who was the last Michigan star player? Yeah, honestly, the last no, the, the last productive Michigan guy edge wise was um oh the white dude with all the hair that the Patriots took who I loved. Why can't I think of his name? Yeah, who had a very Patriots name? It was like Vanden something or other. No, I don't no, remember what the heck was. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, Rashawn Gary, not terribly productive there, has been serviceable for oh. the Packers. You know, yeah, he was like a six or seven sack guy yeah. last year. Still, and, he, and he's a he's a he can set the set the edge on the run. Sure. And when they when the Packers took him fairly high, he was a first or second round pick. I laughed. I was yeah. like, this is awesome. dude. I laughed too. They just I took thought a that guy a, who can't do anything. I thought that was a garbage pick, and he's actually been better than I thought. Chase Winovich was the uh, yes. the edge guy who we who we loved at Michigan. But but yeah, you're right. Like that's. But a, I mean, even like. So wide receivers, running backs, right. defensive backs. Like Michigan's had a bunch of high draft picks. None of those guys dominated in college. Right. It's just 
So Harbaugh can still recruit. He can't coach for anything, apparently. And the NFL teams are like, okay, fine, we can coach these guys up, which yeah. there's a decent chance they can. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the Vikings are a little drunk on power when it comes to that because they took Daniil Hunter in the fourth round uh-huh. a few years ago, and he has become, when healthy, one of the best edge rushers in the league. Right. And so now they just think if we can find a 6'5", 260-pound guy with elite athletic traits, yeah. We can, we can do the him. same thing again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's and, let's talk Vikings. Yeah, draft. And, okay. Yeah, um, I like the Darisaw pick. He wasn't he wasn't my favorite tackle in the league or in the in the draft this year, but um, he was the right pick there at twenty three for you guys. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything about Darisaw before we move on to Kellen Mont? It it was the obvious pick. It was yeah. one of those that's like. And and the fact, if they had drafted him at 14, I would have kind of been like, Ugh, fine. But moving back to 23 and getting him feels better. Yeah. You know, because they picked up some extra third-round picks. He doesn't feel like an overdraft. Yeah. he They they needed a left tackle, something fierce. So yeah. I feel good about it. No, I like it. You should feel good about it. Kellen Mond. Um, I had a lot of Kellen Mond stock going into the draft. He was kind of my... Really? Yeah, he was my like mid-round project, sneaky upside quarterback that not enough people were talking about, I think. And I think Chris Sims loved him, but that was kind of it. Um, He played a ton, dude, in the SEC. Yeah. And he played pretty well. Um, He's got traits that that I'm interested in that could make him... I don't know, sneakily Dak Prescott like, and um, yeah, I think he's he's coming into the perfect situation in that he's going to be sitting behind a quarterback that nobody likes and that everyone will want to see him replace. And I think if he plays even remotely well in the preseason, like that chatter is going to get really loud. Um, what are your thoughts on Kellen Mont? So I didn't get to I didn't get to see him play much in college, um, but. You know, looking back at his track record and playing under two different kinds of coaches, you know, yeah. uh, Kevin Sumlin, who's like the wide open offense, and then Jimbo Fisher, more pro style. Yeah. The fact that he could do both is promising. Um, anybody who succeeds in the SEC as a quarterback yeah. has, like, they, they deserve a shot on a pro roster. Sure. My favorite thing about this pick, so I was iffy on the pick because the Vikings, they're in a weird spot where they are a playoff caliber team or close to it. If they fill their needs, yeah. and this is not a need, right? This does not make them better this year. Yeah, I don't. Unless, of course, he becomes the backup and Cousins goes down or something. Sure, but it removes leverage from Kirk Cousins. Yeah, which is an absolutely wonderful thing for the team because, as it stood, Cousins can just come back, hold the money bag open, and say fill it up again right. in two years because they don't have any options. Right. So if he turns into anything, yeah. if he's Dak Prescott ish. Yeah. You know, thinking Dak, Dak Prescott a year or two ago, not like the sure. guy who just got paid seven hundred million dollars. Sure, sure. Um, it's great because the Vikings can move on. At worst, it's a lateral move. Mm-hmm. At best, he's better than Cousins. Yeah. And the very best thing is they're going to be paying him four million dollars a year instead of forty-four million dollars a year, which is better for everybody. So I, I ended up coming around to this is a a high upside, low risk leverage move for them that takes power away from cousins which is just the best aspect of it i think yeah 100 percent. that's great analysis and uh and i completely agree you guys took a guard that i like 
Wyatt Davis, another Ohio State. That was my that was my favorite pick of the Vikings draft. Yeah, interior lineman, Ohio State. Those guys have done really well lately. Um, yeah, really physical guy. I like the pick a lot. That helps um, keep Dalvin Cook on the field and productive. Um, yeah, the realization I had after that pick was I was thinking about because for the longest time it was the complaint was the Vikings don't invest in the offensive line. But I realized that this year they could have two first rounders, two second rounders, and a third rounder starting all drafted in the last uh, like four years. Yeah, starting on their offensive line, and then they have some veteran guys who can be the kind of you know Swiss Army knife backups. Right. So they got Darisaw left tackle. They've got probably Ezra Cleveland at left guard, yep. who was their second round pick last year. They've got uh, Bradbury at center, who yeah. is. Has not been good, but it's really hard to be good as a center when you're playing between two absolute trash guards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, then they've got uh, uh, Wyatt Davis potentially starting at right guard, and then Brian O'Neill at right tackle, who has been their best offensive lineman. Yeah, and all of a sudden that that line looks, you know, probably not dominant, but like if they're the twelfth to fifteenth best offensive line in the league. That's amazing compared to where they have been. So yeah. I I was I was really happy with with both the offensive line picks, even if neither are stars. Yeah, just being occasionally dominant and a, and generally adequate is is a real good base. Dude, here's a fun thing. I think all of the NFC North got better except the Packers, <laughs> and that's that's a really cool thing to think about. Like I think the Lions shockingly drafted really well the bears shockingly drafted really well minnesota got better the packers eh pretty bad and uh so here's my favorite thing about the packers draft you know you mentioned the center that you really like yeah which i think is i'm sure he's good yeah they just lost the best center in the league or one of them right to to free agency yeah for the exact same amount of money that they signed aaron jones for <laughs> so they re-signed a running back who's good yeah but you know, not a game changer. Right. Their offense does not run through him. Right. And they lost Corey Lindsley. Yeah. And then they drafted a center to replace the best center. So the whole thing is just like it's it's a general downgrade. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and so I'm I'm kind of thrilled with this. But again, more more taking a dump on their GM. I think he's just an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the rest of us in the NFC North, it's uh it's an encouragement for sure. Pipe, I got to go soon, but I want to go one minute on the Raiders draft, which it's it's very it's very easy. It just makes me giggle. Yeah, it's very easy to like trash the Raiders drafts. However, I'm I'm gonna defend it because I actually like Leatherwood. Um, you talk about traits and you talk about availability. Um, there were a lot of offensive linemen, especially tackles, that project better as guards. Leatherwood yeah. actually has tackle like qualities. Um, he's been healthy. I I don't hate the pick at 17, and and everybody ripped it, but I don't hate it, especially given that they got first round value in Trayvon Morg at safety at 43, who will actually yeah. play safety for them as opposed to uh, Jonathan Abram, who's just like a glorified linebacker. So I like Morg at 43. I actually think they got a sneaky good edge at 79 out of Buffalo, Malcolm Kuntz, super productive sack guy in the Mac. I liked that pick a lot. Um, and then they, they draft a cool name guy in divine Diablo, um, which along yeah. with Trey McKitty has one of the best names in the draft. Yes. Although I think I'm going with Trey McKitty as my first round name, name driven draft choice in this draft. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that they took three safeties. Uh, I mean, maybe one of them's going to switch yeah. switch positions. Like, you know, Divine Diablo's a big dude, so maybe mm-hmm. he's a nickel linebacker or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just... I think I, I do agree. The, the reason their draft got trashed this year is because mm-hmm. they did the same thing they do every year, which is take a big <laughs> team, you know, big name conference guy right. too high. Too high. They did yeah. it with the guy from Clemson, the pass rusher sure. a few years ago. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just a thing that they do. They did it last year with Henry Ruggs. For sure. All, they keep taking guys in the first round who they probably could have gotten in the second round where they would have been good values. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't... And then my favorite thing about the Raiders draft was that, you know, whoever, the, whatever intern runs their Twitter account came out and said, you know, we don't pay any attention to these quote-unquote draft experts. I'm like, your GM... Was, was like one a of those ten guys. year quote unquote draft <laughs> yeah, exactly. expert before you hired him. Yeah, that's the only thing you pay attention to. It's so funny. Yeah, they harvested their GM right out of that self same draft industrial complex. It's uh, it's really funny. Um, Pipe, this has been a blast. I should probably uh, I should probably get off here and and do some real work. But uh, always fun to talk NFL draft with you. Um, excited about what our teams did. Uh, this was a fun one. Uh, so we've done what we always do, Pipe, and then we've wandered to and fro throughout the NFL draft. And until next time, Trey McKitty. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.